All right. Welcome, everyone, and welcome to this week's guest, old friend of mine, Dan Zayner. How are you, Dan? Good to see you, mate. It's been a while. <laughs> it has. Oh, I like how you've got the uh, Aussie vernacular in there as well. I'm, I'm, um, a, I'm an accent chameleon. <laughs> very good. And uh, probably good to give a bit of a, a background on how we came to know each other. <laughs> um, we were just having a bit of a reminisce then. So Dan was one of my very first clients going back. Was it 2015 or 16, was it? Yeah, I think it was 16. Yeah, which is yeah. crazy making to me. <laughs> Yeah, um, and and probably like for me from a personal perspective, it was you got such awesome results. It was a real great validation for me at a point where I was just finding my way in the coaching world. And uh, even just to hear about some of the things that you've been talking about, what's unfolded since then, and how much value you you place on that um, work that we did way back then. Yeah, it's, it's really, I still have really my original work. vision board that I made from way back then, and like. 70% of it has come to fruition. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Might be time for a new vision board. Yes, I actually I actually was thinking the same thing myself and was making a new one. <laughs> so, yeah. Excellent. Now, now, often I talk to business owners and it's about talking about their business and we will do a bit of that. The anthem of the adventurer, that may or may not become a business, but it's more of a lifestyle than anything. So tell us a little bit about anthem of the adventure and how that came to be yeah it's currently not making a cent but i'm okay with that um <laughs> you've got plenty of other things going on that are feeling that plenty hole. of other things going on that yeah everything else is fundraising for this <laughs> so um how it came to be was essentially i got really obsessed with my own comfort for a very long time and i suddenly got tired of it and it wasn't working for me anymore and realized through a really helpful book uh, wild at heart by john eldridge like i need adventure in my life and so do all of us and there's a lot more guys like me who are at some point in their career going who trapped me in this beige cubicle oh i did percent. <laughs> and uh, so it came out of that and then a conversation with with john like what the heck do i do with this and he's like well, you should talk to God about that. I'm like, how? And had had a funnily enough, like grew up in the church, been a Christian since I was a kid. First, like two way conversation with God, and heard like you know really clearly, and not in like a "Thou shalt do this" kind of thing, but it was you know <laughs> in the unique way He talks to me of kind of these inklings and and promptings. You should start a podcast and you should invite these people to be on it. And I said, okay. And I suddenly had a podcast about adventure um, and and explored through all, all the guests and, and writing a blog and now I'm working on a book is just this idea of like, what is important about adventure? Why is it necessary in our lives? And then me being an, engin an engineer by training, um, kind of how do we pull it apart? How do we how do we design an environment where we are prone to adventure rather than making adventure a really hard thing? Love it. And you've not just about taking people on adventures, but you've actually made adventure part of your life, right? Like you take the kids on adventures, oh, yeah. you take your, your, your whole family. So I'd love to hear, well, we probably cross 
both of uh, those bridges, but I want to hear more about how you've become like the adventurer yourself and, and maybe some of uh, yeah. the cool, cool experiences you've had as a result. Yeah. The, the biggest thing was, um, well, it started with the work that we did together and then compounded itself uh, with, with some other coaching work I did uh, with my good friend and guy that I work for now, Larry Yatch, who's a retired Navy SEAL. Um, but around this idea of we, have, we all have choice, we all have agency in our lives, and we can either choose to the hard of suffering where we're at and being stuck in the beige cubicle the rest of our lives, or yeah. we can choose the hard of setting uh, a different idea for how we want our future to go, of how we want it to feel, to look, what's there, what isn't there, who's there, who isn't there, and then doing the training and building the team necessary to produce that, uh, which is what I've been doing the past six years. Um, and it started with simple things like just adding a day onto a work trip to go skiing instead of just staying in a hotel next to a university that I was going to in Oregon. I stayed in an Airbnb in the mountains and met an amazing lady who had a house full of beautiful furniture. And we talked about my love of woodworking. And then I went skiing on Mount Hood and listened to the audiobook of Wild Heart on the way. Like nothing Fantastic. crazy. It didn't. Yeah cost me hardly anything extra than it would have uh, had I just done the normal thing. But it's always taking that creative step to say, well, what can we add? What can we change here to just make it more spicy, make it more flavorful? Um, oh, that, that's brilliant. And and particularly for that person sitting in the beige office, which which true across the States, I'm sure, definitely true in Australia. It was definitely true for me looking for something else. It's not about completely blowing your life up and starting yeah. again it's what can you bring into the day-to-day -day now so i love that yeah and yeah you know, the, the world will tell you oh just hustle and grind and start your side hustle and build your kingdom and all these things and and i'm here to say that that may work for you but it's going to catch up for you eventually if yeah. you do that in your own strength and if your character isn't there to handle it you're going to detonate your life and i didn't want to do that um partially originally it was frankly out of fear <laughs> but now now it's more out of choice that yeah. i really do need to build my character and uh be more of the person who can handle an adventurous life who can handle a business hence why anthem of the adventure doesn't make anything um because i'm building the team slowly i'm still refining the message i'm still refining what we offer to people so that when we're ready for people to start giving us money that it'll be actually worth it to them. Um, and yeah. it doesn't scale so fast that my, you know, my way of being causes harm to those under my care. I love that. And anyone who's started any project like business or something like this, that you've created knows that it can, it can be a massive disruptor to yeah. your life. And yeah. most people go, oh, I'll get it all set up and then I'll worry about bringing back the balance. But what you described there, that, that's where it needs to be. Like how you do one thing is how you do everything. So exactly. I, love, I love how you're doing that. And also incorporating those messages and guidance from God rather than it being ego-based and trying to 100 miles an hour, like you said, that, that what we're bombarded with, hustle, grind, push harder, hard work, hours, all this sort of stuff. No, no. There is, you can do it in a way that's more gentle and flowing and ease. And there's so much more joy in that, right? Yeah. And I'm not there yet. 
you know, I don't want anybody to get to get the message of, oh, he's got it all figured out. Like, I'm, I'm still the kind of guy who's prone to the ooh squirrel or shiny object <laughs> syndrome <laughs> moments. But I'm, I'm coming to recognize those a bit quicker now and kind of pull myself back from jumping off a cliff without the parachute. Um, yeah, there's a, a really good, good friend of mine who I, I really enjoy his work, uh, Morgan Snyder, and he talks about committing yourself to a decade of excavating your heart to build a foundation for something new. Um, he quotes somebody else in his book, Becoming a King, and I can't remember who he quotes here, but he talks about how a 30-year-old man's heart is like a densely populated city, and you have to knock something down before you build something else in its place. So I'll be turning 35 on Friday, so I'm halfway through the decade of my 30s. And have definitely found that to be true of, wow, I've got a lot of excavating left to do and a lot of foundational work to do before I, I feel like it's appropriate to build a skyscraper on top of it. Yeah, I'd love to come back to that because I think that that's going to be something that's hugely value for, for people to listen to. And even if you've gone through the 30s and you haven't done that excavating, it's never too late to start. No. And whew, yeah, I definitely want to come back to that. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned before working with Larry and I've had the uh, the privilege of being taken through uh, a session. Well, my wife and I got taken through a session <laughs> with Larry and Anne um, and we still have that statement that we got from that session and it's I'm getting tingles through this of like how that, vision that he helped us create is coming to fruition um so tell me how you go from well actually i might be jumping the gun here i want to hear more about exactly what you're doing now so, so yeah. you have your day job and yep. you're you're slowly transitioning as they allow you to bring in more of this so you're doing coaching with larry so tell us a little bit about i'm, I'm probably more curious about the coaching than anything to be <laughs> yeah but yeah a little yeah. bit about your day-to-day -day and, and plus that work that you do with larry yeah so the mix of larry and everything else um i'm looking at a picture of another friend of mine who's uh in he, he started a company called go ruck this was kind of my reintroduction into adventure and kind of awakened all this thing uh, as well as my obsession with special forces so uh, his name is Jason McCarthy. He's a retired ranger, and he has a company built around rucksacks and we call it rucking, so carrying a weighted weighted rucksack and other awkward, heavy objects for miles and miles. Yeah. And what I, I've really come to appreciate about the world of rucking is it's building relationships through doing hard things together and being weird. And the more that I've embraced kind of that ethos, the more interesting and fun life gets and people leave me weird looks like are you carrying a, a sandbag around our neighborhood I'm like <laughs> yeah how much is in that thing 120 pounds what <laughs> really? like i love those kind of conversations because uh, it gives me a chance to talk about one of the things that i teach with larry um we talk about the importance of self-regulation of how in our neurochemistry, how we've been created is we have one bank that we draw from when we need to regulate ourselves mentally to focus on a task, physically when we're in a harsh environment or pushing ourselves, or emotionally 
when we need to not yell at our kids when they're trying to kill their siblings. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and, and that is actually the fourth pillar out of the six that I teach with Larry. And I love talking about my friend Jason and his company because they, they really embody that self-regulation pillar and, and, and its effect on people. He's built a tribe of thousands around that idea. And actually the city of Jacksonville, Florida is uh, recognized him as a leader in, in that space. And he just got back I think yesterday from a meeting with the mayor, him and his wife there. Anyway, it's really cool. So wrecking has been a big part of um, getting into this adventurous lifestyle. And it's taken me everywhere from down the street around my block and getting weird looks all the way to the beaches of Normandy in France on the 75th anniversary of D-Day and doing a Go Ruck Challenge on the Omaha Beach. Yeah. Um, Two things come to mind. One is, I don't know if it was when we were actually doing the coaching or or a phone call or like a video call that we had after the fact, but I remember you saying you were in your office and you were saying, I have the Ruck here and during my work day, I put it on and I might do some push-ups or squats or whatever. Like again, yeah. it's bringing that that transitioning into more of that adventure and holistic within the parameters that you already have. Oh yeah, yeah. I I I, I, I put something together and I can't remember it was Photoshop or something, but like six pictures that represented a different exercise, and I printed out, stuck it on my wall, and every time I went to or from my desk, I had to pick something off of it and do it and check it off. Brilliant. It's like super easy. Yeah, but you know, 100%. doing that for six for six months, I've lost fifty pounds. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And the other thing that came to mind yeah. was you shot a video of that uh, that trip to Normandy, and you were coming from the water to the beach, and I get tingles because I remember oh, incredible. Like, I remember watching it back, and and again for anyone for anyone listening, and we'll and we'll get we'll get to how what Dan's had to come through to get to this other side, but. You don't have to start a business. You don't have to go changing the world to bring in these just blissful, divine moments where not only at the time is it like, wow, this is stunning, but then that has an influence on other people by you sharing yeah. that story. And so tell us about that because that, like, I remembered like you were like a, uh, a kid at Christmas when you were telling me about that trip, like just how excited you were. That was so. That was a year long, actually, really five years. We'll we'll cut it down to the last year of the journey. So, it started with a Facebook post. So Jason posted on the Go Ruck page, "Hey, we're doing an event or series of events in Normandy. You all should come." And I was like, "No." And I'm like, <laughs> I joked at him in the comment section. Yeah, I'll bring my wife and three kids, and we'll make sandcastles on the beach. And he was like, I'll see you there. I'm bringing my kids too. Like, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) So we started, I actually saved the, some screenshots of the, our conversation. It was hilarious. And then a couple months go by and I ended up talking to his wife about it, Emily. And I was like, Emily, how do I talk to Tracy about this? Like, I I think we should do it, but she's seven months pregnant. (laughs) Like, this is insane. This is like absolutely insane. And, and so she kind of coached me through how to, how to have that conversation. And we waited until Felicity was born, but we're in the hospital. Tracy's in labor. Jason sends me a message is, 
hey, now it's time to use your go ruck training. Don't fall asleep on her. Drink your coffee outside. Rub her feet. Bring her ice chips. You got this. Oh, awesome. And like that moment of just one dad to another, you know, coming together, say, hey, you got this, man. Like at this point, we'd never met in person. Never even talked outside from a couple of random exchanges on Facebook. And this yeah, guy wow. cared cared enough about me as a dude to just send me send me a quick text. It was awesome. I was like, okay, I'm going to France. <laughs> so talked to Tracy a couple months later. Originally, she was like, huh? What do you mean go to France with all of our crazy kids? Later, we decided we're going to leave the older two with my parents, bring the baby along because she was fairly easy. And the McCarthy's wisely decided to leave all their kids at home. And we ended up going to France for nine days. It was amazing. Um, we stayed in an Airbnb in this lady's garden in the countryside of Normandy. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, so many things about that. I'm going to get to the beach next, but one of the things that really hit me actually, and I've never been moved like this before by art, but we were standing in the room that houses Monet's water lilies. I don't know if you're, if as listeners, if you're familiar with this, but Google it. It's two oval shaped rooms and the entire wall is a painting, actually a series of paintings that just looks like one painting. And I walked in and I wept. Yeah. Wow just just overwhelmed by the beauty and then contrast that with a couple days later 5 30 in the morning the sun is just creeping over the north sea there and hearing a retired army ranger talk about the events of the d-day landings and all of the horror and fear and bloodshed that went and it's just really stark of his peaceful pastoral scene that we're in 75 years later because of the sacrifices that those men made was just incredible and then we got in the water at sunrise and charged onto the beach to to the sound of bagpipes playing and (laughs) it was incredible awesome so good it was incredible and to then like what a gift to be able to help other men who are, as you said, yeah. desperately in need of that adventure. Yeah. And, and now, so we've in a bit of a Larry story. So brought him in to work with our team at Purdue University, where I still have a day job because they pay for my insurance. <laughs> but um, And work, working with him, got an opportunity where I was able to train as a coach with him. And then I've uh, been coaching with his team ever since and growing in my ability to coach others. And now I work with with CEOs and their teams to bring them through what we call the the six pillars of success. So redefining success as not achieve, 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 do, 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 but an optimized daily experience that's sustainable over time. Beautiful. And producing those feelings for yourself, for your team and those that you serve. That is the purpose of your business. Your business can't be successful in it because it's not a person (laughs) only people can feel success so that's the first thing we talked about and then to do that you need to build an effective team to be able to team effectively you need to be able to influence your own behavior 
and the behavior of others. Talk about that. And then we get to the self-regulation piece, which I mentioned earlier, because to be able to influence your behavior, you need to be able to self-regulate. <laughs> and then we talk about leadership. Like after we've worked on ourselves, only then are we able to lead others. And then when we're leading others, then we need to be able to plan effectively. So that's our, our system that we teach. And I've been doing that for uh, five years now, which is crazy. Brilliant. And through all that, um, my wife is a music teacher. She's got a master's degree in music from a couple of prestigious schools and, and was an underappreciated elementary music teacher. And COVID hits. And we had a decision to make when her school district was making plans for how to come back in person that were, in our estimation, unsafe. And she had seen me, you know, try and build a business and a podcast and, you know, change my career to a certain extent towards coaching and teaching and adventure and all these things. And it gave her the confidence to, to ask, what if I resigned? I'd say, well, how can I support you? You know, is yeah, that going to help you achieve not cheat, not achieve, but produce your desired end state that we talked about better. She's like, yeah, I think so. Okay, let's do it. We'll figure it out together. We prayed over it and both of us heard really clearly she should start doing private music lessons and we should not do any marketing. We get one Facebook post and one email and we'll always have enough. And we had for a year and a half she taught private music lessons and we always had just enough students, never an abundance, never too few, always just enough to cover exactly the, you know, difference in what she was making as a teacher minus childcare. Cause she was taking home to stay at home, taking care of the kids. We always had enough. And so good. And a few months into that, she's like, Hey, I think I'd like to go back to school and get my PhD. Like, great in what music education she's like no actually human development and family studies okay hard left turn cool how can i support you You're like well uh i guess just make sure i have time at night to do my application okay great <laughs> yeah like, you know prayed over it's like oh yeah absolutely that's you know what fills her up is helping teachers be more effective and serve their kids better, especially um, in developing their ability to learn socially and learn emotionally and um, through music. And so she's now a PhD student at Purdue. Brilliant. She's, she's just finished her first year of, of, you know, graduate school. Well, again, I mean, she's got a master's degree, but, and absolutely crushing it, like doing statistics for the first time ever. (laughs) And killing it. And I'll let you ask a question before I give the big turn point here. <laughs> well, yeah, and that and that's what I want to ask because for anyone listening and not full body like goosebumps now as we talk about this, for anyone thinking, wow, how do you get to that sort of composure uh, with your wife? And and so you can't come years to of work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little things. Hundred percent. You can't come to the place that you've got yourself now, where you you're getting all these different opportunities, where you're made so many different positive changes to your life and your relationship with God and with your wife, without having to go through some challenging times. So yeah. So what was 
that moment in your adult life that just changed everything? Where, where yeah, it? yeah. It was uh, very shortly after our second child, Jane, was born, who just turned six this past week, which is mind-boggling to me. Right after she was born, I was way heavier than I would have liked like to be. Um, I wasn't showing up well for Tracy. I was dissatisfied with my career. My physical uh, abilities were not where I liked them to be. And just generally didn't feel great about myself. And I was tired. I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and prioritizing my own comfort at the expense of my soul. Yeah. Um, and so it's... I reached out for help. I, I, I checked my ego and, and, and put a post on a, a dad's group, the dad edge, which is still going. And I'm part of the coaching team on for now. Um, I said, Hey guys, I need some help I'm going through some stuff. I'm doing things to, to myself that I don't like. Uh, I'm in addictive behaviors that are not serving me or my family. Well, and I'm, I'm done with it. I've, I've done everything I could think to do at this point. I need help. And, and can I add there? Cause I know you said, uh, what you're saying at your end is a little bit challenging because you may have young ears in the background. So I'll, I'll I don't know who's still awake <laughs> because yeah, because I know that part of the story, right? And so you said you you know you were at that point where you were you were going back into some of the addictions, the usual stuff, video games, or creating this isolation. But you said actually one of the big ones was was porn, and yeah. one of the turning points was actually like when your wife Tracy actually found your search his, history and and how that was like. Yeah, that just had such a massive impact on on you, but also your relationship, right? Yeah, yeah, it was it was huge and, and really a big wake up call. Like, man, I I can't keep living for myself anymore. You know, we've been married for a few years up to then, but really not um, not prioritizing um, the restoration of my own heart and and what. I needed to get right between me and God and not just in isolation with myself and him, but in a community of support because that's how it's meant to be. And I had misplaced a lot of my focus to um, give Tracy the ability to validate or invalidate me as a man. Yeah. And all sorts of things. I want to, I want to come back to to what you just said there that the invalidation because it's an important part of your journey. Mm-hmm. But I just want to tap more into that moment, like, like your heart must have just sunk, right? Oh, it's and just turned to dust. Yeah. And then what are the sort of feelings that come up, like guilt, shame, or all of all of the usual things that as yeah. men we go through, right? Yeah all of that real real hard how how could i do this how could i continue to do this why am i not good enough to be able to stop this on my own yeah and again all really normal conversations for well for all people specifically men when it when we we're talking specific about uh, addictions to to things like porn yeah it's it's those questions that that we all ask ourselves from time is like, I should be able to do this. Why, why can't I do this? Why do I keep repeating these patterns? And I know this is something that you've learned, learned and, and mm-hmm. know, but for the listeners, it's like, 
just to reiterate what I say a lot, it's not your fault that these patterns are here. It's not your fault that there are certain things that are, it feels like they're controlling your behavior because they are like mm-hmm. these moments from, from our, from our youth that for like right back to a young age where we just dealt with things the best we could with our young brain. And then when we get into the later years of life, the patterns repeat and then we start beating ourselves up as if it's our, somehow our fault. And it's like, we need, we need to just give ourselves a, a leave pass on that one and, and, and realize that yes, we can take responsibility to change, but there's just no value in beating ourselves up through that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. A so, lot so of me, what on. I've learned in a journey with a good therapist and a spiritual director and good coaches is what, what seemed to me to be kind of normal growing up was Trump. Um, and I grew up, I don't get me wrong. I've had a very privileged childhood. You know, I grew up in white middle-class Midwest and and that's part of like, why it's so hard for me to identify trauma in my life. It's like, objectively, it hasn't been much. And I still need to acknowledge that times where I've been wounded because it happened and it mattered. Yeah. To me. And, yeah. and I can't compare my story to someone else's. Like, yes, I didn't grow up in a war zone and I wasn't abused or raped or anything. Um, and I'm not discounting anybody that has had that happen to them. That's awful and it shouldn't have happened. But the things that happened happened to me and they mattered. One of the biggest ones was we, we moved when I was at a very formative age when I was 12 years old. We moved in the middle of the school year from our home in Minnesota to Illinois. And for those who aren't in the mid in the in the US, that's you know, nearest makes no difference a thousand miles. Um, there's a big shift, um, huge cultural shift and a big time in my life where I was finally making really solid, rooted friendships and just just gone. And this was before FaceTime and Skype and all that. And you know, those those friendships didn't last. And at the time, it felt like my life was over, and I changed my entire identity to protect myself so that I would be liked and accepted. I prioritized relationships with girls instead of guys um, because they were safer and accepted me for who I was instead of having to feel like I had to pretend, although I still did. And, and then as we mentioned a bit of, you know, discovering self-medicating, self-soothing behaviors that helped me feel good at the time, but ultimately created a, a cycle of self-sabotage uh, that continued into adulthood. Yeah. And, and what you said there, I think, not I think, I know it's really important for us to just to touch on a bit in a bit of a stronger way is that whatever you've been through, it may not be as bad as what you go out there and you look and you see and, and we're presented with enough of that in the news on a day-to-day basis and, and we hear it from stories from friends and so on. But every time you say, well, there are other people that have got it worse off than me, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice. We're devaluing yeah. our own journey. And, and what you said Absolutely. there, it, what you went through matters. 
And it matters because of what you talked about there, the excavation excavation of your heart. If, if that's not dealt with, if you don't acknowledge that that was something that caused you trauma, caused you pain, it's caused patterns of behavior that aren't healthy, well, then you can't feel better. You can't get better. You can't make changes. You can't heal and be able to go and be the best husband, father, friend, leader, all of those things that you want to be, right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot a lot of what I've been excavating lately, and really and this is this is really recent, um, is with the help of really gifted friends and caring allies, praying into those moments. Like where was Jesus that first time that I decided to self-soothe in that way? What was he doing? What was he saying? Man, I'm getting choked up just saying it. And the first time I, I asked that, I saw him standing there and not in judgment, but just saying, oh, buddy, I'm right here. Yeah. I wish you would choose me. I can understand why you don't. I'll be here when you, when you want me. And imagine if we could, imagine if we could judge ourselves the same way with, yeah. with actually zero judgment. Yeah, exactly. And so that's a, that's a lot of the journey that I've been on, on lately is not shying away from those emotions when they come up or from that behavior when it comes up again, because it still does occasionally go, hmm, what's going on here? Like, what am, what am I trying to soothe here? Ah, it's because my entire life is changing right now. It's, you know, we're getting over the, the trauma we've been through as a global society in the past two and a half years. Yeah. And all the things. And I'm trying to rush it. I'm trying to rush to getting back to feeling good. So good, Dan. And uh, I'm just loving the certainty and the yeah, it's a certainty in in the path, the journey so far, the self awareness. You know, you're not perfect. You know, there are certain things that still need to be resolved, and you're honouring that, and you're giving yourself that space. And I think as as humans, and Again, from, from my own perspective, particularly for men and the different challenges that we have, it's so important to give ourselves that space. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we're so hard on ourselves and just, oh, I got to perform, I got to do, I got to achieve. Man, sometimes you just need to be. And that sounds kind of woo-woo squishy, but like what that really means is sometimes you need to turn your damn phone off and go and sit in a tree for a little while. Yeah. Or go sit next to a stream and just listen to it and feel some things. Or go lie in a hammock in the sun for an afternoon and let your email sit for a little while because it'll be there when you get back. But yeah, tending no, to your heart in those ways are really important. Yeah. 
and even if you can't get into nature, just taking a moment wherever you are, like there's always an opportunity to find fresh air or sunshine. Yeah. And it's uh, or listen to some good music that you once loved as a kid. Like, like I love Dave yeah. Matthews Band, and um, one of the songs that will continually move me to tears is the song that I played in my naivety uh, for my wife on our first date thinking, Hey, she loves piano. I know what she'll like to listen to and dance with me. A 20 minute long song with a five minute piano solo in the middle. of it. <laughs> Brilliant. But didn't like, it, it, it worked. She's, she didn't run away. Um, <laughs> but like listening to that song again and, and just, and just letting it, sink in and think of all the moments that I've listened to that song over the years and, and where my heart was and what it needed and what it still needs. Um, it's just so nice. So good. I, I really want to emphasize something there. And it's a lot of people can have a fear around sitting in that space that you talked about to feel yeah that's true they're... adventure there like don't get me wrong <laughs> yes. i love rucking and mountain biking and blowing things up and driving over things in my land rover <laughs> absolutely yeah 100 percent. I, I love making bacon and eating it in any setting um and i find that the most fulfilling adventures long term are the emotional ones And the thing I, I love how you describe that because that's so cool. Um, living the dream and particularly the blowing things up. We all want to do that. Oh, um, yeah. But it, <laughs> it's people have a fear that if they give themselves that space, they know there's some stuff there that mm -hmm. they worry about what they might find. Yeah. And and what I want to, to, to show, and particularly through Dan's story, is that 99.99999% of that stuff is things like your parents moving at a young age. It's mm -hmm. things like an experience you had at middle school or, or you know, something where there was some moment which is not much. It's, it's from moments when we're really small children, when yeah. our parents had an experience that we observed which was stressful for them around something that wasn't really that stressful in the big scheme of their lives, but we, we took it and created some sort of – trauma that's that's influenced our decision making in adult years yeah, and, and and even the bigger ones like the really objectively capital t trauma yeah healing is available if we look for it 100 percent, and uh and it doesn't mean you have to go wading back through the mud of it all there are mm -hmm. so many different ways and i know you've experienced a heap of them mm -hmm. i know i have as well um but there are ways that you can do that in, in a much more uh, pleasant experience, right? Here's a great example. So, yes. um, of, of me getting to, um, co-create with the healer, we'll say, cause I'm, I'm only taking responsibility for just taking action, not the actual healing itself here. So right. I'm down in new Orleans for a conference. Um, and I found this amazing restaurant. Um, there's a, Vietnamese French fusion place. It's so cool. And I found it completely by just following these little spirit nudges, like 
the place that I wanted to go for dinner was closed. I was like, okay, where are we going to go for dinner, God? It's like, walk this way for a little while. <laughs> I okay. love it. We go buy a pub. Are we going to here? No, keep going. Chinese place? No. Japanese place? No. Another Chinese place? No. Keep going. And to see these orange lights in the distance, like these flickering gas lanterns. He's like, eh, go down there. Okay. And come across this little bistro next to a hotel and it's playing this really nice music and it's uh, just beautiful. It's Elizabeth, the Elizabeth Street Cafe. He's like, that's the spot. Okay. Viet Vietnamese noodles and bakery. Like, interesting. So I walk in and just amazing smells, you know, croissants and spices and all the things. And there's white subway tile. It's really clean. And the guy behind the counter is a tall black guy who's got a black t-shirt, skinny jeans, and a navy blue silk shawl with flowers and a fringe on it. He's got like a bunch of rings and he is floating around the room. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world have I just stepped into? <laughs> So he, he sits me down and I bring out my notebook and my pen and I'm writing, I'm working on my book. And he's like, Hey, y'all a writer. I was like, and I'd never said this to anyone before. I was like, yeah, actually I'm working on my first book and told him what it was about. And, you know, about, you know adventure persevering through hard things and, and, and basically getting to breakfast at the end, like getting to the sustenance that we need to sustain us through, through the rest of the adventurous life that we want with God. He's like, whoa, I want some of that. I'm like, really? I mean, to this point, I thought everything I was writing for was for white dudes like me and, you know, guys who dwell in a cubicle. But this guy could not be more different from me. And I was like, wow, there's something here. And guy's like, yeah, there's something here. Okay. And so finished my meal. It was amazing. I mean, I call it last meal good. Like if I had died that night, I would have died a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> it was just that good. That's good. And so <clears throat> this guy gets uh, a few minutes. So like, he's, he's like, hey, can I show you around the hotel? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And so he shows me around this historic hotel. And then and then we're talking a while. And then he tells a bit of his story. And, and it's capital T trauma. Wow. And and I'm just listening to him. And I'm like, this may sound weird, but can I pray for you? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'd love that. And I just pray for like where he was about, you know, the, the warfare he was dealing with and the affliction that he felt and just not feeling like he could be himself and not feeling like he could choose God in these moments and not feeling like he could get out from under the, the choices that he'd been making and, and, and these agreements that he'd made about himself and who he was. And, and, and it didn't take long, just a few minutes. And uh, you could see just the, the lift of his spirit. And yeah. I thought that was it. I was like, that was pretty cool. I came back like five more times that week because it was so good that their almond croissants for breakfast were insane. And I saw him one morning and he's like, you will never guess what happened to me. It's like, try me. <clears throat> it's like, after you prayed for me, I got home and demons attacked me. Like... <laughs> I saw them and they're like what? spirits of witches coming out of my walls. I'm like, okay, yep. I don't believe it, but I know it's true. <laughs> and I'm like, man, this is wild. I'm like, you know what happened? You suddenly became dangerous. 
Like, wow. You suddenly made a choice to align with somebody who all those people really don't like you aligning with. He's like, huh, I guess you're right. Wow. <laughs> and not saying like he wasn't like miraculously 180 degree healed, but it was it was a good shift. And just <sighs> being able to see the trajectory of his of his life turned a noticeable amount through just a short conversation and just listening and and being open to whatever the spirit was wanting to do through me that night. Yeah, and and from his perspective too, like he was heard. Yeah. Yeah, and his perspective too, like yeah, the, the courage to connect with a guy you never knew and looks a little weird and some white bearded dude sitting at your table and 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 having the vulnerability and the courage to share what's going on in your life and some really tough stuff. Uh, I mean, that, that takes a lot and it's available for anyone. A hundred percent. And and I know a lot when, of my when listeners. When you feel that. Keep going. Yeah. When, when, when you feel that there's, there's somebody sitting across from you where there's the grocery store or checkout line at Walmart that is trustworthy and is going to handle your story. Well, having the courage to share it with them can be really healing 100 percent. and sorry i thought you'd um there was a slight drop out there so i thought you'd finished but i was going to add that a lot of my listeners are the sort of people who have that trusting energy and they are on the receiving end of suddenly people opening up about their life stories a client of mine at the moment who shared when she went to the dentist i think it was um and suddenly she's the patient at the dentist and the dentist is just opening up about her life story. And we, we just talked through how the energy that she comes with is trust and that energy that you bought is trust. And if we go back to what we talked about at the very start, you don't have to have this plan to have a business or this massive impact to not only change lives, but you think of every life that that person is going to touch now because you showed up in your fullest and allowed him space to talk and then connect him to God. And if you're not that way inclined to speak through that language to a higher power, to spirit, to source, to, to the universal energies, to love, well then that's how all of us can go out there and, and, make a massive positive difference in the world so it comes back to this tangent that we left hanging a while back of what's going on now and so we've been talking about how my becoming more of my true self create helped create an environment and some space for tracy to step into that for herself and so i'm sitting in an appointment with my spiritual director <clears throat> and saying how nice it was that oh, Tracy's in her PhD program. She's going to be at this for five to seven years. We're going to be here for a while. It's great. Get a text from Tracy. I was about to shut my phone off. It says, hey, do you want to move to Oregon? <laughs> Wait, what? And like, sometimes she'll joke and like send me houses that she's looking at just for fun. And I'm like, hmm. I'm thinking it's a joke. So I shut my phone off. Turn it on after the appointment. She's like, no, it's not a joke. I'm like, 
Oh, really? <laughs> Her PhD advisor, and funnily enough, was trying to leverage applying for a job at the University of Oregon in Jean to get a higher salary at Purdue and ended up taking the job. <laughs> Brilliant. Because <clears throat> they are, I mean, it's a super rare thing. She's getting uh, a grant to start a new research lab. School of Education in, in Oregon, which is one of wow. the best education schools in the country. What and um, along with that comes the ability to bring graduate students. And she wants to bring Tracy along with her because she's killing it. Um, and so Tracy's like, hey, uh, you, you want to do this? I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course I want to do Like, you serious, Oregon? Like, I can go mountain biking on Monday, whitewater rafting on Tuesday, fly fishing on Thursday, snowboarding on Friday. <laughs> Yeah, go to the coast on Saturday and wrap it up with cooking foraged mushrooms from our backyard on Sunday. Yes. So good. <clears throat> and and like that doesn't even cover the gamut of adventures available out there. Yeah. And you know, it, it was such a redemptive moment from my story of moving as a kid to we're able to choose to move our family for something really, really good rather than away from something or towards protecting something in desperation. And Tracy was able to have the courage to invite me into this adventure because she felt safe enough to know that I would take care of what I needed to take care of and allow her to take care of what she needed to take care of. Not allow, enable. <clears throat> She's her own woman. She's awesome. <laughs> I'm not allowing her to do anything. Um, and, and we're, we're a good team and just that she could feel safe and secure in being able to take a leap in an adventure, knowing that I'm not going to let her hang herself. That, that is one thing I won't let her do. Right. Yeah. And so I know we, we talked through it, we prayed about it. We, we sought counsel from people we trust and, and got to a point where we were about 51% sure we should do it. That was all we got. And it's like, okay, that's all we need from a few friends who are like, that's all you're going to get, dude. <laughs> yeah. and one really helpful category that uh, a mentor of mine told me is like, God's will is not so much a map, but a match. Just a little source of heat. Brilliant. And just follow the heat. Yeah. And... and we're not promised that we're going to get the entire plan laid out. We're only promised the next place to stick our foot. Yeah, which you so beautifully explained in your little trip to find somewhere to eat. Yeah. Is that you just kept following the little sparks. Mm -hmm. And this is something I wanted to talk about is that your faith in God and your trust that it's going to work out how it needs to work out. And again, for those not so uh, religiously minded, like call it the universe or a higher power, but a faith in something bigger than yourself has allowed all these moments of synchronicity yeah, and all of these opportunities, which as it turned out, align to what you want more of in your life anyway. And it didn't start with moving to Oregon. No. It, it started with, hey, 
maybe you should add a day to that work trip and go skiing. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Well, even before that. Even before it, that. It started from going through a moment of grief. Yeah. And then deciding you wanting change. And, and mm -hmm. so this is like one of the things I love celebrating with my guests is it's the gift from that grief of yeah. like, okay, I want my life to be better. And it's not about trying to get it all done at once, but as you've just so perfectly described, is that each step leads to the next, leads to the next. And, and like that must just give you so much joy to know that the more you deepen your faith and you deepen your trust, not just in God, but in yourself, like how many of these opportunities just keep presenting to you. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy how, like, I don't know it until, until it culminates in something that's like, Oh, this is the last six years of my life. been leading towards. Yeah. Um, I, I'll go back to the reference of my, my buddy, Morgan Snyder again. Something that he says, that's so brilliant. Do in the daily measure in the decade. Love it. And be able to look back at 25 year old me, man, I'm getting chills now. Just thinking about that. 25 to 35 you're like wow all of those little micro decisions all of those little daily missteps and right steps everything led to i've got an environment a community a family that wants to that supports me in being adventurous with god on a regular basis brilliant and it just relieves so much of the pressure too. Like as, as dads too, like you look at it, like I remember last summer. So my son's eight, he's not quite 10 yet, <clears throat> but thinking back to the couple of years before he was born leading into that decade, we were at one of our favorite things to do every year. There's a convention called Gen Con. It's the world's largest tabletop board game convention. <laughs> and it's held in Indianapolis every year. And we were at a booth for our, our favorite game, Battletech, big stompy robots and blowing things up. <clears throat> yeah, all that kind of thing. And we were looking at this array of miniatures on the table, and he was able to say, Oh, that's a that's a dragon, and that's a timber wolf, and that's a whatever. And there's this guy looking at us from across the table, like, How old is he? He's eight. How long has he been playing this game? Three years. We've been playing together since he was five. Are you kidding? Like, he's like, I can tell. The bond that you guys have as father and son, and especially through this game. Hey, kid, pick out any unit on the table. I'll buy it for you. Wow. He walked out of that booth with $40 worth of free miniatures because of the, the connection we had as father and son. And just seeing him light up, being next to his dad, doing something that we both love together. Oh, now I'm getting the tingles. I, I, I imagine that would have given you so much joy to hear <sighs> too, was, right? It was amazing. Yeah, I, like I almost cried in the middle of a bunch of dudes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. And you know, throughout this, I don't know, weeks leading up to that, as as we all do, I'd been feeling like a pretty crap dad for a number of reasons, yelling at my kids or whatever. Yeah, <clears throat> but it reminded me in that moment, like, oh yeah, don't pass judgment on yourself until you look at yourself from a decade ago, and even yeah. then, think about it. Yeah. Doesn't mean you get it right now, but it means that uh, while well, you keep going on that journey of improvement, then you look back at that decade. I, I love that. It's like um, you know the um, what's it proverb 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 sorry. Um, when's the best time to plant a tree? 
20 years, years ago. ago. When's the second best time today? Yep. And But you'll never be able to look back at that decade through a period of 10 years of growth until you start something. Mm-hmm. And which I wanted to come back to to that thing around validation with your um, that you talked about external validation, and if we link that back, you said, well, when you when you had to go through that moment of grief in, in your younger years where you mm-hmm. moved, you you not only got validation but you got support and safety from hanging out with the girls. Yeah, and then you said, but the problem there was then when you got to college and then you were still seeking validation. You go through a breakup and then. And then how that played out, like all through a repeat of patterns into, into um, that went all the way into your marriage. So can you talk a little bit about that? How that, how you were able to identify that, and what you were able to do about it? Because to me, this is the key part of how you're able to have this relationship with Tracy now. Yeah, is because being having that self awareness around it, and then being able to actually take the steps to do something about it. Yeah, it's getting away from her having the ultimate report card on me like <clears throat> she absolutely has permission to give me feedback <laughs> yeah. but i also have the agency to say i'm not going to take that yeah and let's say yes i appreciate and absolutely validate your point of view you're totally right in your perspective and I'm secure in my identity as a son of God. And nothing you say or do can change that. Now, absolutely, I want to change my behavior to be a better husband. Absolutely, I want to change my behavior to be more pleasant to be around. No question. But it doesn't invalidate me as a man when my wife's having a bad day. Oh, that's good. And, and that can, has come through years of, of consistent work and, and guys holding me accountable to it. of like, dude, you're, you're giving her a little bit too much influence over, over your heart condition. Like that's not you. To me, the word that comes to mind is control. Yeah, exactly. We, we grew up in a, at a time where, and it seems to be pretty common across most Western countries particularly uh, Anglo-English speaking Western countries. This is very similar patterns, lots of really strong control in how we were parented mm-hmm. and then trying to break those patterns. It's, it's a tough gig because it's oh, just yeah. so hardwired, right? And oh, yeah. what, you're, what you're talking about there is being able to go through this journey is allowing you to come back to self-control rather than having to control. Yeah, and, and also, yeah, I did have very very controlling parents uh loving but controlling yeah and part of that i think stunted my ability to self-regulate uh being able to actually say yeah i i am not going to do that or uh yeah no i'm not i'm not going to commit to that sorry i need to go to i need to go to sleep now uh or no i'm not going to commit to that other project no i'm not going to do overtime just because you said so no boss, sorry, I'm not going to do this thing for you just because you asked me to. Because the more I say no, or or maybe no and, right? Especially if someone's paying you to do it. Like, yeah, no, and this is what make it would make it a yes, right? <clears throat> it's, it's not about being stubborn and obstinate, um, but it's, it's about being 
more more centered in, in who I am and what what makes me tick and what uh, helps me be the best uh, me that I was created to be. You know, like one thing I'm finding out is I'm not actually a very good detail person. Um, I can be detail oriented, but it takes a whole lot of energy. So if you need me to be detail oriented, you better only give me one thing to do in a day and I need a nap afterwards. <laughs> like getting, getting through it with loud music and caffeine just ain't going to do it for me. Or at least not sustainably. So anyway, things like that have that, that I've been learning and bringing it back down, back to relationship of, you know. So what, what, what were we talking about then? Um, oh, the va va validation and, and, and like mis how that mis was misplaced and, and how, I've, you know, being able to uh, not take so much of my validation from Tracy, uh, but, but get it from a truer source. Yeah, you were talking so, about. Well, you were talking about uh, uh, the work environment. Oh, you were talking about work and being able to say no, um, no, but and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that kind of gets so say, being able to say no and to something you know in the work sense of like you know, I'm always able to say absolutely no and be obstinate about things, but it's it's more you know putting up boundaries and not in a way that say that's putting up boundaries is, is a kind thing to do. This is what I've been working on over the past couple of years here. Yeah. Put, putting up boundaries is actually a kindness to those around you because it really shows them where you start and end. So it helps you to be able to coordinate instead of just being all nebulous and amorphous. Brilliant. Um, so just getting back on track here, seeing we've uh, we had a bit of a drop out now. We have to um, hopefully the, when you're listening and watching this, you haven't noticed it because we've edited it out. But, yeah, um, not well, to get some water though, so that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're getting towards the end now, um, Dan. And and what I'm drawn to is that you you have this platform that you now have, and you've got the podcast, and you're writing a book. You've also helped other men through different things from your community, from your church. If there's anyone listening, where can they reach out to you? Cause they want to find out how to bring more adventure into their life to find out more about anything that you've talked about. Where can they, what's the best way for them to reach you so that they can, um, I know you'll be someone who, who loves connecting with new people. You're someone oh, who yeah. loves connecting people with other people who you think will be good for them as well. So where can yeah. people reach you to do that? Yeah, thanks, Ian. So uh, anthemoftheadventurer.com is the website. And then at anthemoftheadventurer on Instagram. Um, pretty easy to reach there. Uh, feel feel free to private message me, comment on my posts. I'd love it when, uh, even if, and especially if there's something you don't agree with. Because um, I, I love to understand like where those gaps in understanding are so that I could be more effective in in how I communicate with people. And 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 I learn something from, from people who think differently than I do. So, yeah. I love that. And uh, I guess the other thing that I, that I wanted to just come back to, so as I get my concentration back after that little uh, power <laughs> outage, um, was so you being able to go on that journey of peeling back those layers of seeking validation, like it, it's allowed you to get to this point where you're at now where you've got 
when you describe your relationship with your wife and how you're able just to be there for each other in a way that like I imagine a lot of people would be listening going, oh, I want a bit of that in my life. Yeah. Let me Is share it- with you a text thread from today. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and I'm going to try not to just break down crying. So I was thinking today how grateful I am that our, this is what I texted Tracy. I was just thinking today how grateful I am, how that our marriage has grown into one that's more about being with each other and enjoying who God has created us to be rather than performance and expecting what we can do for each other. I just, I love being with you. Um, And she was, she was, was like, Oh, I love you too. And I'm talking about, you know, some, she was with her, some of her grad school friends today and that one of them, bought a ring and he's ready to propose. And she's like, we had this discussion about marriage and weddings. And I was telling him how much more I like and love you now than when we were dating. Brilliant. And we've been married for almost 13 years. Yeah, that's cool. Which, I mean, I, I think you've had a similar experience that you've, you've got a few more miles than the odometer than I do. Most people have been married the length that, that we have don't have that kind of experience, sadly. Yeah. And, and, what generally happens is that those first few years when the kids are young, which I know you're still amongst it is really challenging because you go from just having each other to then having to deal with that and then trying to regulate your own stuff. And, and if you've never been shown, well, then you don't know how, right. And if you've only ever been modeled one thing, which won't necessarily work for you, even if it would be parents, well then you're going to run into these problems and, and you get a choice like you've talked about. You get a choice and you can take a moment to, okay, if there's an opportunity for you to open up and tell your story and have a safe place for you to do so, well, then you can start to make those changes and you can bring that into your world. And and like, so we have these conversations, Kate and I as well, where it's like, it's so great that we, we're excited about our future and that, and, and that it, and it just, even though we go through tough times still, like there's oh, yeah. still challenging moments, like big moments but we're able to work through them and always come out at a much better place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's living, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's the, the fruit, but the, it, I'm, I'm going to get a little crass here and I'm quoting Morgan again here. Good fruit comes from a good tree. You don't get a good tree without good soil. The way to get good soil is through a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I love that. <laughs> I think that's probably a good place for us to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, and just to wrap it up with a tactical, practical piece here again from Morgan, because he's yeah. great with this. Yeah. And, and I didn't realize that I've been doing this for years to some extent, but now I'm doing it much more intentionally. He he talks about this relational model, like a like a triangle. So the base of the triangle, the biggest area of your focus should be time with God, like soaking in his presence, receiving his validation as a son, as a daughter, boom, biggest piece should be there. And then it's your own soul care, like the things that bring you joy and fill you up and all those things. Then family, but marriage first, then kids, which we do. We've been doing rather well for the past 13 years. Yeah. Then what he calls like-hearted kings like you the very few people who have access to you who want the same things out of life that you do and got to fight through the same crap to get there yeah 
love that. <laughs> and then there's this tiny little sliver that's everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how often do we get caught in the everything else when it should only be the sliver? Bingo. And yeah. I'll be the first one to say, I don't do it particularly well on a moment-to-moment daily basis, but over the half decade and the decade, it's gone rather well. Yeah, improving, like you said, looking at the decade and looking back at how far you've come in that space. I certainly don't get it right all the time either, and it can get drawn into the things that aren't important. But unless you have that certainty on, on what most isn't is most important and have that committed to paper or or somewhere that makes it tangible, that makes it true, that that removes us, removes any of the confusion, then yeah, like you're gonna you're gonna keep running into those things. But if you have them in habits somewhere, then it's gonna make it so much easier to to keep yourself on track. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, if you want to follow along with uh, my journey as I, I continue to unpack and riff and combine and have my own ideas about this stuff, uh, as long as and, and uh, random ramblings about things. Thankfully, I have a team to keep me from random rambling too far off the reservation now. Um, Natalie, Armando, uh, Brian, Jeff, um, Darren, super great team. Uh, the Anthem and the Adventure are on the creative side of things. So, uh, definitely enjoy working with them and and writing with them it's just been uh really great to be around the like-hearted you know the, the, the people who are going in the same direction and fighting through the same craft to get there fantastic well dan it's always great to reconnect with you yeah and, buddy, it's uh, awesome. like we've talked about one day we'll get to do it face to face hopefully sooner rather than later Fingers and, um, crossed that my uh, my Purdue gig sends me to Sydney for a coastal engineering conference in December. <laughs> I'm, I'm already planning the renovations to the house, mate, <laughs> for your whole tribe. Yeah. Um, but uh, always a, a joy to hear your experience. And thank you so much for sharing so openly and honestly your story and your learnings and the difficult times. I appreciate you and I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, thanks, brother. Appreciate you, man. And and it's always it's so good to connect and, and just uh yeah, looking forward to the next time. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan.